Well, yeehaw. All right. Man, it's awesome to see everybody here today. Hey, uh, let's, uh, let's pray. And uh, man, we're diving in. We're diving in this morning. I think God's going to do some cool stuff today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, uh, that God, you're here. And God, we, we don't hope that you're showing up. Uh, God, you're here. And so, Father, I pray that right now you would just speak to us and get our attention. Uh, God, I thank you for our worship team. I thank you, God, that we're up, that we're moving. And uh, God, I pray that, uh, that our hearts would be up. Our hearts would be ready because, God, you want to speak to us. And so, God, I pray that you would just help us to hear. God, help me to communicate your word today, God. I pray that uh, there would be nothing of me today, and it would be all Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in called Dirty Laundry. And, uh, man, uh, just, just be honest, the response to this series, I've had several people talk to me about what God's done in their life over the past uh, four weeks as we've been in this. Man, it's just been cool to, uh, to hear your stories and to hear what God's done. But maybe today is your very first time here since we've been in this series. And, and what we've done here, is, we've been in a series called Dirty Laundry, the truth about dating, sex, and marriage. And we talked about, uh, talked about all of those things. And if you remember, the very first week we, we talked about dating, and the whole point that morning was that there is a God, and it's not you. That's what we talked about, how people can, complete, uh, can compliment you, but they can't complete you, that we were made to worship God, not worship people. Uh, so there's a God, and it isn't you. It's not your spouse, not your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's not your kids. It's not your job. Jesus is God. Nobody else is. And then we talked about sex. And what we said uh, about sex two weeks ago is uh, we just simply had this message, that you are more. That's what we said, that no matter what the culture says, you know, the culture says that you are your feelings, you are your sexuality, you are your st- uh, relationship status. No, we saw that God says you're more than that. You're made in God's image. You are way, way, way more than that. And then last week, we started to talk about marriage. And last week, we, we added, uh, and what we're doing this morning, we, we've added some promises to marriage because every marriage starts with a promise, doesn't it? Actually, every marriage starts with several promises. You know, when you have a wedding ceremony, and I do several wedding ceremonies, there's that point when they exchange vows. And, and in the exchanging of vows, they're making promises to each other, right? They, they're, they're promising to love and to cherish each other in sickness, in health, in poverty, in wealth, till death do us part. I mean, those are some big promises, and if we're honest, when, when we're the ones at the center of the ceremony, when we're the ones making those promises, when we're saying to somebody, hey, you know what, I promise to let sickness and, sickness in, 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 sickness and health, poverty, wealth, no matter what. We're thinking that the bad stuff is for other people, not for us, right? So we're convinced, oh man, ahead of us is nothing but health and wealth and good times, baby. That's for other stuff. Other people can have the bad stuff, but it's going to be awesome for us. And it never works out that way, does it? It never works out that way. So what what we said last weekend today is is we want to add two promises to every marriage. And if you're not married, we want to add two promises to your, to your relationship uh, status, the way you think about relationships. We want to add two promises. The, la- the first one last week was, I will, I promise to love God first. I will love God first. And the second promise that we're adding today, that we're talking about today, is simply this. Because again, we've already said it, every marriage begins with some promises, Today, the second promise that we're going to add is simply this. I promise to keep 
my promise. I promise to keep my promise. So hey, if you got a Bible on your phone, go ahead and turn it on to Proverbs chapter 5. It's where we're going to be today, okay? Go ahead and turn it on on your phone. If you have an actual copy of the Bible, go ahead and open it up to Proverbs chapter 5. <clears throat> Proverbs 5. We're going to be in verses 18 through 23. So go ahead and open that up. Uh, turn it on. If you're married to the person sitting next to you, why don't you guys just snuggle. This whole sermon is going to be amazing. It's going to be a great time. Just snuggle. If they've taken a shower. If they haven't, don't get near them, all right? I'm sorry. But, uh, but Proverbs 5, 18 through 23 is where we're going to be today. And just to kind of set this up, Proverbs 5, the section that we're going to read, and, and, and the majority of Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon. Now, Solomon was the son of David. Okay, now there's a guy you've probably heard of, church background or not, David and Goliath. We're talking that David. David has a son named Solomon. Solomon gets basically promoted to one of the biggest leadership positions in his day. He is the king of Israel. And so Solomon ha- has, this, has this time where, where has an opportunity where literally Solomon can ask God for anything that he wants. Okay? It's a true story, not a fable, not, not, uh, not fiction or anything. This true story where Solomon goes to God, and out of everything that Solomon could have prayed for, Solomon says, God, God, listen, I'm the leader of Israel. This is a massive responsibility. I don't want to be rich. I don't want all this other stuff. And listen, Solomon eventually got those things, but Solomon said, God, listen, the one thing I need is wisdom. I need wisdom to lead these people. And so Solomon became the wisest man in his day, and from that wisdom came the book of Proverbs. Listen, if you've never read the Bible, you don't know where to start, you feel like the Bible's hard to understand, you should read the book of Proverbs. Really simple, clear, bottom shelf stuff on, on money and relationships and, all, and raising kids, just life, man. It's about the book, is what the book of Proverbs is about. And so we're going to read Proverbs 5, verses 18 through 23. This is Solomon, and Solomon is talking to his son, okay, about marriage. Watch this. It says this. To his son, let not your, let, let rather, let your fountain, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Fellas, say that to your wife this afternoon. Just walk up to your wife, say, baby, I've been looking at you all day. You are a lovely deer. Text me and let me know what happens next. Um, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Whoa, that's in the Bible. Woo! Be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Look back at what, uh, at what Solomon t- says to his son there in verse 18. The last part of verse 18, he's talking about the wife of your youth. I mean, who knows how long Solomon's son has been married, but Solomon is, is trying to get his son, he's trying to get you and I by extension. Hey, remember the person you married? Remember them? See, we've got to be sensitive here because there's a lot of people here today, and maybe the person that you married, you're not with them anymore. You know, the marriage ended in 
divorce. And listen, if if that's you, I just want to say to you, listen, divorce is not the unpardonable sin, okay? I know that a lot of churches treat divorce like it's the unpardonable sin, but listen, if that's you, it's not the unpardonable sin. You are still loved by God just as much as the person sitting next to you, and God has a plan for your life, amen? Okay, you got to know that, man. the, The church has not done that one well, all right? But hey, man, maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here and you're not married, but you want to be someday. Or maybe you're here, you're here and you are, maybe, maybe you're here and you're married and your marriage is awesome. Like it is so smoking hot, you stopped making out just to come to church. You know what I mean? Like your marriage is amazing. Maybe that's you and maybe on the flips, maybe on the total opposite end of the spectrum, maybe your marriage is code red. It's not good. I mean, man, it's one thing to say, Mark, I don't know if we'll be together this time next year. Maybe somebody in the room, you don't know if you'll be together in three weeks. See, I don't know where we're at today, but here's what I know. I know that there's no perfect marriage. Did you know that? There is not a, I don't care what movies and television, I don't care what they say to you. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's not. There's no such thing as a perfect family, brokenness and sin, and this is the reality of life, man. It gets in every single family. It's in mine, it's in yours. So listen, I don't know what you've got going on at home, but you don't have to act today like you've got it all together. You are in a great place when you came to church because Jesus died for messy people. We're all a mess. Say amen. Right? So you, so you got to know that. But, but here's what I do know. I know that God has a plan for your relationships. I, I know that God's got a plan for your marriage. And God's plan is not for you two to exist together, like basically glorified roommates. I know that God's plan is not for you guys to live together until the kids move out. Instead, the Bible says that God's plan for my marriage and yours, our relationships, our our marriages, God's plan is what the Bible calls one flesh. That, That over days and weeks and months and years and decades, that more and more we'd get closer to God and closer to each other. But here's the deal. That doesn't happen without some work. Okay? That doesn't happen on accident. See, here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what God shows us just now, what we read in Proverbs. If you and I, if we're going to experience what God wants with our lives, especially with our relationships, then every single marriage, again, if you are married or you hope to be one day, I don't know where you're at, I don't know where you're at today, but every marriage needs a good offense and a good defense. Every marriage needs a good offense and a good defense. If I'm going to keep my promise, then my marriage needs a good offense and a good defense. So listen, if you're taking notes on our app or if you're just writing notes down, I hope that you are. Well, I want us to see two things today. So write this down. This is all on the Summit app. If you've got that open, you can write this down. First thing that we need to see if we're going to experience God's plan, that one flesh for our relationships, we're going to keep our promise of I promise to keep my promise. First thing we need, we need an offense. And here's our offense. Our offense is simply this, work the plan. Everybody say that? Work the plan. Work the plan. I, I love what Solomon, Solomon, again, he's just reminding his son about the wife that he has. Listen to the words that he uses to describe his son's wife. Rejoice. When you think of her, you need to rejoice. When you think of her, verse 19, delight. Look, be intoxicated always in her love. When's the last time you thought about your spouse with those terms? Now, maybe your spouse wants you, maybe when you think about your spouse, you want to be intoxicated. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on at home, all right? Some of you just looked at your spouse, uh-huh, yeah, right? 
I don't know where you're at. But listen, when's the last time, wives, ladies, when's the last time you thought about your husband with those kind of terms? Delight, rejoice. Guys, when's the last time you thought about your wife that way? I'm telling you, it's not going to happen by accident. You've got to work to get there. But here's the problem. Here, here, here's, here's what we do a lot of times. I talk to people all the time that, that we're in this. And it's so, easy to, it's so easy to fall into this trap. It's so easy to fall into this. But I talk to people all the time, and here's our problem. We do things like this. God, save my marriage. And that's it. God, you save my marriage. I'm going to stay here and binge on Netflix for, about, for the whole weekend, but you save my marriage. Right? I'm not going to change anything, but God, you save my marriage. And what we don't realize is that for every prayer we pray, we have a part to play. Let me say it this way. Every prayer that you pray to God, you need to be willing to be a part of seeing that prayer answered. Every prayer that we pray, every single thing that we ask God to do, we have a part to play in seeing that prayer answered. But so many times we say, God, save my marriage. Or, hey, listen, it doesn't even have to have anything to do with marriage. God, changed my life. I'm not going to change my life, but you need to change it. God, help me financially. I'm going to keep spending money the way I've always spent money, but God, help us financially. God, do this, and we don't make any changes. We need to realize that for every prayer we pray, we've got a part to play. So many people, when they pray something, God doesn't answer their prayer. They get ticked off at God. They walk away from God. They walk away from church. I hear stuff like this. Jesus doesn't work for me. Oh, well, God just didn't want to do anything of me. And, 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 and every once in a while, I'll ask people this. Well, yeah, but what did you do? Yeah, but what did you do? And see, again, here, we got to be really careful because some of you, man, you did pray that God would save your marriage, and you did work really hard to save it, and it still fell apart. That's why for this, what we're talking about here, it's got to be both people in the marriage. Their heart's desire is to save it. That's why if you prayed and you worked hard, you begged God to save it, and you begged God to use you to save it, and you put a lot of time, sweat, and energy into fixing it, and it still fell apart, listen, listen, if they didn't receive what you tried to put, that's on them, but your conscience before God is clear. Okay? You need, somebody needs to receive that. But we need to understand that every single time we pray to God, we need to be willing to be a part of seeing that prayer Answered. This is the way the Bible talks. I mean, so many times we want God to do a miracle in our lives. You can go to the doctor this week. You can go to the doctor this week, and the doctor could look at you and say, listen, your health is terrible. you got to start eating better and exercising. And you can call me, and you can call every pastor in eastern Kentucky. You can get the entire body of Christ, two billion Christians all over the world, to pray. Pray that God would do a miracle. Pray that God would make me healthy. And listen, God might do that. But do you know why it's called a miracle? It don't happen much, that's why. Right? And listen, for every miracle that God performed in the Bible, somebody had to play their part. When Moses walked up to the Red Sea and God was going to split the, split the Red Sea so that Moses and the Israelites could cross the Red Sea, what did God say Moses had to do first? He had to strike the water with his staff. Do you remember the story when Jesus fed the 5,000 miraculously? Remember that? What had to happen for Jesus to perform that miracle? That little boy had to bring a happy meal. Did you know that? Right? That little boy had to bring a happy meal for Jesus to perform that miracle. See, miracles, somebody's got to play a part. Let me show you a verse in the Bible. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. 
Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Watch this, watch this. For God is working in you. Stop right there. What? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. He doesn't mean work to be saved. We can't work to be saved. The only thing that saves us is the grace of Jesus Christ. But what he does mean is this. Hey, listen, if you've received Jesus' grace, don't stay where you are. Do something to grow. Work to grow. Join a life group. Start to give. Start to use your spiritual gifts by joining a serve team here at church. Work to grow. And then in the very next breath, he says this. For God is working in you. So who does the work? Does God do the work or do I do the work? And the answer is both. See, when I woke up this morning, when you woke up this morning, you said, man, I want to go to church today because I want to worship God. I want to be with God's people. I want to know God more. Listen, that desire did not come from you. That was God at work in your life. Now, you got ready, and some of you got ready. Some of you, we need to talk. But you got ready. You got in the car. You came to church. You did the work. But who was working in you? God was working in you. Do you see that? It's not, it's not, God, you pull all the weight while I don't do anything. No, it's God, you work, and I will play my part. So, hey, what about instead of praying, God, save my marriage, you prayed this. God, use me in any way necessary to save this marriage. Do you hear that? Use me. Use me. And I pray that what, what I'm going to do, I pray they receive it. I pray it would soften their heart as well. But, God, let me play my part. Let me play my part and then work the plan. Say, so what's the plan? Well, I'm glad you asked. You guys always ask the right questions at the right time for my sermons. It's awesome how you do this. Let me talk to all the men in the church. Um, ladies, you can, you, can, you can talk to your neighbor. You, I don't, you can go get coffee. You can do whatever you need. Let me, men, can I talk to you for a second? It doesn't matter. I'm going to anyway. Um, men, check this out. All the guys, wake up and lean in. Hey, guys, check this out. Did you know that God says that you are the spiritual leader in your home? Did you know that? Guys, God says, let me say it again, because no guy said, Woo, that's me! Guys, did you know that God says that you are the spiritual leader in your house? And that doesn't mean that you need to write a sermon and preach it to your wife and kids every week. But what it does mean is, is, is if there's anybody in the house that needs to take some initiative when it comes to spiritual matters, it's you. So here's what that simply means. Men, we need to be men of God. Did you hear that, guys? Guys, we need to be men of God. Men of God who are going to God and we're asking, God, what do you want me to do for my wife? What, what do you want me to do for my kid? How can my kids see Jesus in me? God, how can my wife, how can I serve my wife today? God, how can I serve my home today? Men, listen to me. Listen to me. And man, I, I, I'm telling you this with my wife looking at me right there. And she, like if I tried to act like I got this perfectly nailed, my wife would come up and slap me. All right? Like she would, man. And she, so I can't do it. But here's, listen. Listen. The most important calling in my, in my life, the most important calling in my life is to be Elena's husband and Cassidy, Seth, and Chloe's dad. It's not to be the pastor of the church. It's not. And the most important calling that you've got is not your job. I don't, I don't care what your position is. I don't care how demanding your job is. The most important calling you have from God is to be the husband to your wife if you have one. 
is to be the dad to your children if you have them. So guys, can I ask you a question? And don't answer this out loud. Answer this to yourself. Men, when was the last time you heard from God? Men, when was the last time you opened up this book right here and you knew that God just said something to you? Like you closed it and you walked away from it and you got up out of your chair where, at wherever you were and you said, man, I just heard from God. When was the last time that happened? See, when we're talking about working the plan, men, you need to hear from God what the plan is. The plan might be God tells you to forgive your wife. Well, yeah, but, but, but God, I'm not the one who was wrong. It doesn't matter. Jesus took, the first, Jesus took the first step towards forgiveness. Men, so do we need to take the first step towards forgiveness. Doesn't matter if who's right or wrong. Maybe the next step, maybe the plan is to date your wife. Maybe the plan, I don't know, is to take a shower and shave. I don't know. But men, when was the last time you heard from the God of heaven, this is how you can be Jesus at home. You say, I can't remember. God wants to tell you what it would look like for you to be Jesus at home. And when he tells you, do what he says, and that is work in the plan. Man, I've been praying all this week that God would move in our church and that God would fill this church with men of God. Think about that. Think about this church being filled with men of God. Men, you can be a man of God, okay? You can be a man of God. You can be a man of God. Look at somebody right now. Look at a guy around you right now. Look at a guy around you right now and say, you can be a man of God. Teenagers, I'm talking to you. Teenage guys, I'm talking to you. You wanna stand out on your campus? Be a man of God. Don't, don't date every single girl that's got a pulse and talk about girls like they're objects. You want to stand out at your campus. You want to be a leader at your campus. Be a man of God at your campus. Do it. Do it. Hey, some of you, if you be a man of God, you might get a date. That'd be awesome. Right? Every marriage, every relationship needs offense and defense. What's our offense? Offense is working the plan. I've got a part to play. And listen, guys, we need to hear from God what the plan is and work the plan. Last point is we're going to have a defense. Here's our defense. Our defense is simply this. Keep our hearts at home. Keep our hearts, keep my heart at home. Listen to what he says here. Verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? The forbidden woman is every woman in the world you ain't married to. Ladies, the forbidden man is every man in the world you ain't married to. That hot piece of stud you married is your man. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? And embrace the bosom of an adulteress. That means you're not thinking about trading her in for a younger model. Those younger models ain't checking you out anyway. Right? Right? You used to have, I know you used to have a six-pack. Bro, six bro, now you got a keg. They are not checking you out. Right? I'm not undressing women with my mind. Checking them out. Hello, anybody? Amen? This is a good sermon, man. This is a good sermon. I'm autographing my Bible at the end of this sermon. My goodness, I love this church. Preacher's amazing. 
Did you know that the the church is the bride of Christ? The church is Jesus' bride. Jesus is not thinking about cheating on the church today. Jesus is not thinking about being unfaithful to the church. Listen, here's my question. Why do we think it's okay to be unfaithful when Jesus is always faithful? Right? Watch this, man. Watch this. If you got your Bible open, I, I hope you got your Bible open. Watch this. Man, God is doing us a favor here in these verses. Verse 21, for a man's what? Well, verse 22, let's skip 21, 22. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. The picture that he's painting is this, like an animal in the woods, and the animal, a hunter's been in the woods, and you guys are deer hunting right now, you're rubbing deer pee all over yourself, it's awesome. And um, he's like a hunter in the woods, a hunter goes in the woods, he sets a trap, and this animal's walking through the woods, and it enters into that trap grabs their leg or something. If that animal stays in that trap for a while, eventually what will happen to it? It'll die. It'll die. It says, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Do you know what sin does? It traps you. Sin always traps you. Some of you in this room, you are trapped right now. You say, man, I, I did this, now what? I, I did that. Now what do I do? You are, you're trapped. Others of you, you're trapped, and you don't know that you're trapped. And you're ju- you justified it like this. You said this. Hey, you know what? Listen, I'm not getting that at home, and I deserve it. So he, she, gives me exactly what I need, and nobody knows what I'm doing. And it feels good. Hey, listen. Hey. You're trapped. You're trapped. It doesn't feel like you're trapped, but you're trapped. A couple of years ago, actually before we moved here to move back home to start Summit, we lived in western Kentucky, a really small town outside of Paducah. I was a pastor there for four years. And uh, one time, I think I was coming back here by myself to actually talk to some people that we had already decided we're going to come back, start Summit. And so I was on my way back home, uh, back here to Hazard to talk to some people. And I was driving on the western Kentucky Parkway, and I passed this huge semi. And the back of the semi was open so you could see what was inside. And the inside, the back of the, the semi was filled with pigs, just filled with pigs, like 25, 30 pigs. Like, like, and they were all alive, walking around, you know, just pig party. Woo, you know, I don't know. And, but the back of the truck was filled with pigs. And I, I was passing the truck, and I promise you, the door to the cab of the truck had one word, and it simply said this, bacon. I promise so here's a truck full of pigs, and they don't know where they're going, right? They don't know what's going on. They're just convinced it's their buddies, and they're on a road trip. They don't know. I mean, they're pigs. They have no clue that the door to the truck says bacon. Some of you right now, you're trapped, man. You are in the truck, and you're like, man, listen, it feels so good. Nobody knows. This is awesome. And then verse 21. Verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and God ponders all of his paths. Do you know what that verse means? Here's what that verse means. That verse means this. Bacon. That's what that verse means. 
Some of you are in the truck, and you're right, man. Nobody knows, and you're convinced you're getting away with it. And what the Bible just says is that God sees everything every one of us do. Bacon. See, some of you right now, you are trapped. You are trapped. And right here in just a moment, we're about to end this sermon. We're about to dismiss, go home in just a few moments. But can you lean in for just a second? Because maybe you're here today and you are trapped in an adulterous relationship. You are trapped in pornography. You're trapped in sleeping with somebody that you're not married to. You're trapped in some kind of sexual sin. You feel like you're trapped in a relationship. Maybe it has nothing to do with any of those, but you're just looking at your life and you feel like, man, I am trapped. Then I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, if you are here today and you feel trapped, I want you to look at me because God is speaking to you through me right now. God is speaking to you right now. And if you feel like you are trapped, I want you to know there is a way out. Man, there's a way out. That, that way out might look like confession. You know what, God, I did this. God, I need you to forgive me. God, I am sorry. That way out might mean that you get a new phone so that that person, that guy, that girl can't text you anymore. That way out, you might need to make some hard improvements on your life. You may need to move, get a new job. I don't know what you need to do. You might need to make some serious changes in your life. There is a way out. Will there be consequences? I don't know, maybe. But I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he was trapped there. And he went there willingly for my sin and for your sin. And just when they thought he was trapped and it was over and they put him in a tomb, three days later, Jesus walked out of that trap alive, death defeated, sin defeated, hell defeated. He was victorious. And listen, listen, today you can go to Jesus for life. Running to Jesus for life is better than staying trapped to death. It is better I'm telling you it is better. So if you're trapped today, there is a way out. Run to Jesus Christ. Run to him. But I know this, we do a series like this almost every year because I have so many conversations. There's so much baggage with this kind of stuff. Maybe you're here and it's just baggage from your past. I don't know what it might be. I want to give this verse and then I'm done. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I want to say to you today, if you've got relationship baggage, you've got baggage from sexual sin in your past, somebody did something to you, you've got baggage with this kind of stuff in your life, I want to tell you that God's grace is new every morning. His grace is new for you right now. 
So God's grace is greater than your baggage, and his mercy is greater than your baggage. And today, he is ready, he is willing, he is able to forgive, to cleanse, to set you free and make all things new if you come to him. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that right now, God, in this room, in this moment, right here, God, before you, God, I pray that right now, you would set free that person that feels trapped. God, you would move in the hearts of people that worked so hard to save that marriage and it didn't work out. Help them to know that they are loved just as much as they ever have been, that there is grace, there is mercy. God, for the person that doesn't know what to do next when it comes to their relationships, help them to know that you are with them right in that. I pray for men in the room right now that, God, you would speak to men. You'd speak to me. Show us the plan that we would be like Jesus at home, that our kids would see Christ in our lives, our wives would see Jesus in our lives. People at school and people at work would see Christ in us. Father, I pray you just have your way right here in these moments. Listen, no one is looking around. Every single head is, is bowed and eyes are closed. No one is looking. But I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask you, and I'm not going to ask you to come up front today. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I just want you to feel total freedom here. But if you are here in this room right now and, and you are sitting there and you, you're saying, man, Mark, I feel like I'm trapped. Would you pray for me? Mark, I feel like I am trapped. This is a moment of total honesty. I'm not going to call anybody out, single you out. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. But if you're here today and for whatever reason you feel trapped, would you just raise your hand right now so that I can pray for you? Just put your hand in the air right now. Say, Mark, I feel trapped. Would you pray for me? There's a hand right there. There's a hand in the back. Other hand. Just put your hand, hand right over there in the corner. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Mark, I feel trapped today. Mark, I feel trapped. God, I pray for these hands, hands going up, two hands going up there in the back right there together. God, I pray for these hands that are going up, these individuals right here today. God, I pray that they would feel your grace, that they would know your mercy. God, I pray that they would look to you, they would run to you, they would run to you today. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy. Let me talk to the men, men. If you're here today and God just stirred your heart for that desire to be a man of God at home, a man of God for your kids, a man of God at your campus, just a man of God. Men, if that's you and you'd say, that's my prayer, Mark, would you pray, Mark, I want to pray that God would make me the man of God, that my wife, my kids, this community needs me to be, Mark, I want to be a man of God. Men, if that's you, would you just raise your hand if that's your prayer today? Men, raise your hand right now if that's you. Say, that's my prayer, I want to be a man of God. There's a hand right there, hands right here, hands over there, hands are going up right there, right here in the middle, there in the back. God bless you, hands are going up all over. I see another hand right there. Just express that prayer to God, guys. Say, God, make me the man you want me to be. God, I want to be a man of God. I want to surrender to you all over again. There's another hand right up here. God, I just want to be the man you want me to be. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus. You need Jesus Christ to save you for the very first time. I want to tell you that he wants to, that he can, that he loves you, and that's why I think he brought you here. So today, if you want to be saved, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. 
and save me right now. I surrender my life to you today for the first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I give my life to you today in your name. Amen. No one is looking around. No one is moving. Listen, if you just prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, will you just raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it and celebrate it with you? If today you made the decision to be saved for the very first time, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it right now if that's you. There's a hand right over there. Anyone else? Say, I need to be saved and I want to to be saved today. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Listen, right now our worship team is going to lead us. We're going to sing uh, part of the song we sang earlier on Christ the solid rock. I stand the rock won't move. And I want to tell you that our lives built on the rock of Jesus. We have a sure foundation. Our ushers are going to come up front. We're going to receive our offering. This is the time where we worship God. We worship God in singing. We respond to him. This is our time of response. This is our time of response. We're going to respond to who God is. And and you give today as God leads you to give. But listen, as these offering baskets go around, I want to challenge you to put down on the back of that connection card any decision you made. Some of you raised your hand just now to say, "I I gave my life to Jesus today. On the back of your connection card is a box. Check that box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Put it in the basket. God's laid on your heart. You need to be baptized. Whatever your next step is, put it on that card and drop it in the basket. If we can pray for you, put it on that basket. But we're going to sing. We're going to worship God for the chorus of this last song. And we're going to declare that God is a rock that we can build our entire existence on. Would you stand with me in prayer? Every single person in the room, would you stand? Father, we thank you that Jesus is alive, that he is the rock of our salvation. God, as we sing, as we respond to you in giving, as we respond to you in making those decisions, God, I pray that, Father, you're glorified in this time. And, Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that Jesus is our rock. Thank you for every person that gives, whether it's here, whether it's online. Thank you for every person that gives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our band's going to lead us. Let's sing. You give today. You respond. You seek God in prayer. Let us know about those decisions on the back of those cards. Guys, lead us. On Christ the solid rock, I stand on other ground. It's sinking sand. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on him. Unchanging grace, the rock won't move. No, the rock won't move. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand on other ground. It's sinking sand. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging.
Hey, very quickly before we dismiss you today as you exit, you're going to get some information about the Promise Keeper Christmas offering that we announced last week. Uh, that's a three-week initiative beginning in December, December 6th, 13th, and the 20th, where we're praying that we would receive $49,500. That goes to our future campus. You can get all the information right out there. But let me say this. Today's your first time here. Hey, I'd love to uh, connect with you really quick at our welcome table in the lobby. Table out there to your right. We've got a free gift for every first-time guest. Guys, next week we launch our Christmas series called Promise Keeper. We're going to talk about how God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. It's going to be an awesome time, guys. You are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Eat a ton of turkey. Love you guys.